typically in a scientific paper, you want to go to the results. And we tend to leave out the desire that compelled us to go and perform the work that led to those results. I'm David Oti, and this is The Power of Story and Science, a mix of content and conversations on how to bring your science to life through powerful presentations. In this episode, we return to science, in particular, the psychology of first impressions and the neuroscience behind how we make decisions. You will come away understanding even more about the importance of using story to connect with your audience, even in a technical presentation, and you will pick up a tool for uncovering the story behind your information. Hello, and welcome to The Power of Story and Science. I'm your host, David Ote. This program is a mix of content and conversations. What does that mean? It means sometimes we'll have guests for interviews, and sometimes, as is the case with this episode, you're just hearing from me in order to get some of the fundamental information, some of the foundational concepts that I believe are important in helping anyone who gives technical presentations to understand how to connect with their audiences so that information transfer can take place. In episode one, you may have heard me talk about the science of oxytocin, the discoveries that Paul Zak at Harvard University made that show that oxytocin expression can be triggered in the brain by hearing a story. And when oxytocin surges in your brain, you will feel empathy toward another person. And as a speaker, you want your audience to feel empathy toward you. Hence the importance of using stories, not just information. An information dump goes nowhere. The problem statement I come back to over and over is, your information goes nowhere if you don't meet the needs of your audience. And what does your audience need? They don't just need information, they need information from a trusted source. Oxytocin is one of the keys to building trust with your audience. That's why it's important to be able to tell stories, because the story is the most fundamental unit of human connection. It's also important to understand how people form first impressions of you. When you get up in front of an audience to speak to them, whether you're in person or whether it's virtual, your audience is going to begin making judgments right away about whether they want to keep listening to you. So in today's episode, we're going to look a little bit more at some of the science that I find fascinating, particularly the science of how we form first impressions. I think you'll be surprised by some of the findings I'm going to share with you, and you'll see how those findings are directly applicable to how you establish a relationship with your audience. We'll also look at the science of how your audience members are making decisions. That's an important thing for you to consider as well, and that's one more bit of evidence that's steering us back to the importance of being able to tell an effective story, even in a scientific or otherwise technical presentation. 
That'll be what we'll cover in the first part of this episode. And in the second part, we're going to look at a tool that I developed in my book, The Speaker's Quick Guide to Telling Better Stories. I'll be sharing that tool with you. It's a tool that consists of eight questions you can ask that will help you uncover the story behind your information. Does that all sound promising? Great. Let's get started. Harvard researcher Amy Cuddy, C-U-D-D-Y, in her book Presence, talks about the science of first impressions, and it's quite interesting. What psychologists have figured out is that we form first impressions of people very quickly based on two primary factors. We're looking for the answers to two questions. Is this a person I can trust? And is this a person who can do something useful for me? In other words, we're looking at trustworthiness or warmth and effectiveness or competence. The psychological terms would be warmth and competence. And the interesting thing is that although we're looking at both of these factors very quickly, there is a distinct order in which we evaluate them. Guess which one comes first? Warmth. That's right. We're looking to see if we believe that this person is someone that we can trust and like being around and feel comfortable around before we address the question of whether this person is capable of doing something useful. Now, from an evolutionary standpoint, that makes perfect sense. If you encounter a stranger in an environment where survival is not assured, the first thing you want to know about that stranger is, is this someone who might do me harm? Before you wonder, is this someone who can help me hunt down dinner or build a fire? So it makes sense that we would assess our safety, the trustworthiness of the stranger, first. But here's the thing. That flies in the face of what so many of us do as technical or scientific presenters. Because what do we want to do? We want to establish our competence first. That's why we typically give introductions that are full of academic credentials. Guess what? The audience doesn't care about that initially as much as they care about whether they connect with you. And people make a decision within the first few seconds of hearing you speak whether they want to hear any more. So isn't it important that you know how to form a positive first impression? I think it is. How do you start to build trust with people? Well, the story is the most basic unit of human connection. And even before you take the stage, if you use your opportunity to be introduced by someone else effectively, you can start to build a sense of trust and a sense of curiosity in your audience members' minds as to what you're going to bring them and what's going to happen next. I'll look at the specifics of how you build such an introduction in a subsequent episode. For now, what I want you to take away from this is the importance of building trust before competence. And you do that 
by using story. Now, here's another reason why story is so important. Neuroscience is fascinating. One of the things that modern neuroscience has shown us is that the decision-making center in your brain is in the emotional part of your brain. In evolutionary terms, it's the older, more reptilian part of your brain, the part that is finely tuned to recognize threats and respond to them very quickly. This emotional part of your brain doesn't spend a lot of time weighing evidence and considering alternatives, and yet it's where you make decisions. Any automobile salesman will tell you, if you catch them in a moment of weakness, that the decision to buy a car is an emotional decision that you will justify with reason. Any real estate agent will probably tell you the same thing about buying a house. But guess what? That's not just true of making major purchases costing thousands of dollars. It's actually true of every decision that you make. Every decision you make is ultimately an emotional decision because it takes place in the emotional part of the brain and you will justify it with reason. Now, why does that matter to you as a speaker? Well, your audience is making some decisions. For your information to make a difference to that audience, they have to make a series of decisions, which I think we can boil down into primarily three decisions. Do I accept this information? Am I willing to make the effort to remember this information? And am I going to act on this information? Those are ultimately going to be emotional decisions. So guess what? Those decisions will not go in your favor unless you make an emotional connection with your audience. And you do that how? By using story. So this is still a lot of the, the why behind the importance of using story. In subsequent episodes, we'll get more into the how, the nitty-gritty, the tools that you use, the ingredients you need to assemble in order to build an effective story, particularly a story that is related to your scientific or engineering or other technical work, where we tend to be skeptical of stories. And trust me, I'm not encouraging you to use a story as a substitute for evidence. As I mentioned in episode one, I do know that the plural of anecdote is not data. But you will see shortly how story can help you frame that information so you're not just doing an information dump. So, the power, the, the science of first impressions. To make a powerful first impression on someone, you have to build trust before you begin demonstrating your competence. And to get people to make decisions that will go in your favor when it comes to accepting, remembering, and acting on your information, you have to connect with them emotionally. And there's a lot of tools that speakers can use to connect emotionally. If, for example, including and using you language, where you're including your audience in what you're talking to them about. For example, I didn't start this episode by saying, 
I want to talk about this. If you go back and listen, I said, this is what you will pick up. It's a subtle difference, but it begins to make a connection with your audience. So in part two of this episode, which we'll come back to in just a moment, I'm going to turn to chapter one in my book, The Speaker's Quick Guide to Telling Better Stories. And we're going to look at, no, you're going to pick up an eight-part tool, a tool consisting of eight questions you can use to find and uncover the story behind your information. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Welcome back to The Power of Story and Science with David Oti. This episode, as you see, is a content episode. We'll have some conversations with other people interested in this topic in future episodes. For now, I'm laying groundwork. And a lot of the groundwork for what I've been talking about when it comes to story can be found in my book, The Speaker's Quick Guide to Telling Better Stories connect with any audience, and deliver a more meaningful, memorable message. It takes a lot of what I've learned as a speaker that I've learned from other speakers, quite honestly, and I give them credit in the book, and adds a couple of ideas of my own, mixes it up, and puts it in very practical, accessible terms to take you through not only what a story can do for you as a speaker, and how you want to use stories, but the nitty-gritty nuts and bolts of how you build a story. Because you may be wondering, well, this all sounds very good, but I don't know a lot of stories, or I'm not good at telling stories. And in fact, one of the things that often happens when I coach scientists or other technical speakers is I get pushback on this idea of story. And that pushback often goes like this. David, I don't have a story, but I've got compelling information that I'm sure people will find fascinating. Well, guess what? Your audience is not going to find that information as fascinating as you do. Hate to break the news to you. An information dump is not an effective means of communicating with people. Because, as I've said before, and you'll hear me say it again, your information goes nowhere if you don't meet the needs of your audience. And what does your audience need from you? They may need information, but they need information from a trusted source. So don't forget the importance of that first impression, building trust, establishing warmth before competence. One way to do that is to share with people this desire that propelled you forward in uncovering the information that you have discovered. So here's where we get into this tool of eight questions. And as I said, you can find these in chapter one of the Speaker's Quick Guide to Telling Better Stories, which is available at Amazon and at Barnes & Noble in both paperback and e-reader formats. So here are the eight questions. First, what need drove you to discover this information? 
This gets into the question of drive, of desire, the thing that is so often left out of our scientific and engineering papers. What need was driving you forward? There was something that caused you to want to discover this thing or solve this problem. So that's question one. What need drove you to discover this information? Question two, what did this information mean to you when you first learned it? What did this information mean to you when you first learned it? Think back to when it was a novel concept. You had just had that aha or that eureka moment. What did that mean to you? What promise did that hold for something that was going to unfold in your future? So that's question two. Question three, what makes it so compelling that it must be shared? What makes this information you've uncovered or this solution you've devised so compelling that you need to share it with other people? Question four, how are you living differently now that you are aware of this information? Question five, how has it made a difference to someone else? Question six, what difference might it have made had it been known sooner? Now, this question requires you to engage in a little bit of um, interpretation, okay? Some conjecture, perhaps. And yet, it could still be very helpful to look at it from that perspective. What difference might it have made had it been known sooner? You know, if we had discovered this, well, think how many lives might have been saved in World War I if penicillin had been discovered sooner, for example, okay? To use one big example, but there could be smaller examples from your own work. Number seven, when have you seen your evidence in action? And finally, question eight, what have you seen happen in the life of another person that brings this concept to life? So those are eight questions you can find in the Speaker's Quick Guide to Telling Better Stories that if you'll ponder these questions and write down some answers and explore them a little bit, I am quite sure will lead you to uncovering some fascinating story behind your work. When we write technical or scientific papers, we don't put story in them, typically, unless the point of the story is a case study where there might be a story about someone. And I, I can see the reason for that, because typically in a scientific paper, you want to go to the results. And we tend to leave out the desire that compelled us to go and perform the work that led to those results. And in a scientific paper, that's perfectly understandable. A presentation is not, however, a paper. In fact, as I discussed in episode one, when you're looking at your specific purpose, the answer to that question, what do I want my listeners to think, do, or feel differently when I'm done? Your purpose in giving your talk may be to spark enough curiosity, enough interest in your listeners' minds that they'll want to go and read your paper, in which case they can get all of that information and its clinical level of detail. 
but they're going to do that because they're going to want to know the solution that you wanted so hard to find, to uncover. So let that desire come through. Be human. Why? Because Amy Cuddy says the research shows that people value warmth. They look for warmth. They look for a connection with you at a human level before they look for competence. Warmth before competence. Or as I like to put it, connection before content. And when it comes to stimulating that oxytocin production so that people will feel empathy toward you, I also like to say empathy before evidence. Connection before content, empathy before evidence. It's counterintuitive, I know, for scientists and anyone giving technical presentations. And I'm not saying that story needs to replace your evidence. I'm just saying that until people are given a reason to care about your work, they may not make the mental effort that it takes to make those three decisions I told you about, to decide to accept your information, to retain your information, and to act on your information. Information does not sell itself. That is the presenter's job. So there you have it. In the two parts of this episode, we've looked at some more of the science of communication, the science that is of how we form first impressions and how we make decisions. And we've reviewed some of what was said in episode one about the science of oxytocin. In the next episode, we're going to go into the specifics of what a story does for you and how you start to put it together. And that will be in episode four of The Power of Story and Science. Please stay in touch with me as you think of uh, questions that you might have or ideas for future episodes. I'd love to hear from you. You can find out how to reach me by going to the following web address, storyandscience.com. Just go to storyandscience.com. That will lead you to my website where you can reach out to me via a contact form or using my email address or even click on one of the buttons on that page that allows you to schedule a consultation and you'll be taken to a calendar where you can find a 15-minute window on my calendar and we can have a Zoom call. So I look forward to hearing from you. The, the Power of Story and Science is a bi-weekly program with few exceptions. And I'm David Otey. Thank you for being here. This has been The Power of Story and Science. If you like what you heard, please tell a friend, leave us a review, or so that you don't miss anything, subscribe at Podbean or wherever you like to get your podcasts. This program is a production of Speaking of Solutions, LLC. Theme music by Kevin Lufkin. I'm David Odie. Thanks for listening.